The following Art Trap production is brought to you by the Gallifreyan Embassy and has been made possible by donations from listeners like you. What follows next is a live over-the-net recording of Doctor Who Pachak. In this episode, we are reviewing the 2008 series, also known as Series 4, by popular demand. This Sunday, we'll be doing another live over-the-net show, this time reviewing the 2008 Christmas special, The Next Doctor. These shows do not replace our regular studio production episodes. In fact, we had hoped for a special holiday studio show that would come out in between these two live shows. But unfortunately, scheduling the three hosts in different countries and time zones at a time that worked best for both of us during this holiday season, it's just not easy. As sometimes is the case during these live over-the-net shows, we did run into some audio difficulties, so the sound may be iffy at times. Please accept our apologies in advance. We'd like to wish you and everyone listening, happy holidays! Doctor Who Podshop. Okay, well, let's do it now. I <laughs> You know, whatever it is, if it's valuable, send it to us. <laughs> For the best in all things Doctor Who, it's Doctor Who Podshock, the podcast all about Doctor Who, the longest-running science fiction television program with Louis Trapani. Hello. Ken Deep. Hello. James Norton. Hello. News. Fabulous. Reviews. Oh, no. And fan mail for James. Uh, 40,000. Doctor Who Podshock from the Gallifrey Embassy and Outpost Gallifrey. You know, that guy James was really cool. Oh, yeah. Who blew that? I'm the Doctor. And who are you? And who are you? This is uh, episode one of series four. Catherine, how did you feel when you first saw your name come flying really, out of the water? Really brilliant. <laughs> Great. Whoa, it's spooky, spooky, isn't it? Yeah. It is spooky. I love it that Donna's met Rose. Bernard just went mad. Go on, girl! In Rome. <laughs> this is just weird. But there's seven hills of Rome, aren't they? Wait a minute. One mountain with smoke. Which makes this. Pompeii. We're in Pompeii. It's 79 AD, 23rd of August, which makes Volcano Day tomorrow. It's a fixed point in history. What happens, happens. There is no stopping it. <laughs> Come from so far away. The female soothsayer is inclined to invent all sorts of vagaries. Oh, not this time, Lucius. No, I reckon you've been out soothsayed. Is that so? Man from Gallifrey. Now then, Dr. Noble, Mrs. Noble, if you'd like to come with me. Oh, no, 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 we're not married. We're so not married. Never, Never ever. Martha, Donna, Donna, Martha, please don't fight. I can't bear fighting. What, you used to work for them? Yeah, a long time ago, back in the 70s. I apologize for disabling you. Death has more honor, but you are needed for the stratagem. I am General Stahl of the 10th Sontaran Battle Fleet, known as Stahl the Undefeated. I said so, didn't I? Aliens. I said they was real. I just didn't expect them in a little blue box. It's bigger on the inside. Yeah, but is it safe? We have an intruder! How did he get in? Intruder window? And your name? General Stahl. Stahl the undefeated. War can never come too soon. There is an enemy of the Sontarans known as the Doctor. The last of the Time Lords will die at the hands of the Sontaran Empire in the ruins of his precious Earth! Moss is running wild, sir. It can't be stopped. It's everywhere. The whole planet. Success. Never giving you a key. Key back. Go on, that's yours. Quite a big moment, really. 
Yeah, maybe we'd get sentimental after the world's finished choking to death. Now, you impugn my honour! Ah, the war's not going so well then. Greyhound 40 report. It wasn't Greyhound 40, his name was Ross. Now listen to me. And get them out of there! Trap one to all stations. What? This is Spock! You can't see the stars. And then bring a bit of them back for your old grabs. Welcome to Doctor Who Podshock Live. Back by popular demand. We're doing a live show. We haven't done one since last July when we were reviewing each episode. And here we are reviewing the series as a whole. The 2008 series or series four of Doctor Who. And uh, we're here with uh, various people from different podcasts as well as regular contributors to Doctor Who Podshock. And it's, uh, it's great to be back doing a live show. And we want to welcome you if you're listening live and if you listen to this um, after it's recorded, we still want to welcome you to our live show. <laughs> We're um, actually going to be doing another one of these live shows following the next Doctor, which is the title of, the, which I hopefully I didn't give anything away, but it's pretty much well known now. That's the title of the Christmas special that's coming out on uh, December 25th. And I believe it's um, uh, it's been announced for um, 7 p.m., is that true? Is that 6 p.m.? Okay. I wasn't yeah, sure. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, let me um, introduce everyone here. We have a, a, a full roundtable, so this is great. I'm really happy and pleased that, that we've gotten as many people as we have. So it's um, without any further delay, let me do that now. And I'm going to just introduce everyone and then feel free to... Uh, talk about yourself and the podcast that you're from if you're from a, a different podcast and, and feel free to please let people know how to find that said podcast so without any sort of order here dave we have dave cooper with us hello dave hi welcome everybody to a type 40 podcast some circuits <laughs> broken but still hopefully lovable yeah, I'm, I also go on CIA podcast, but I'm hoping when West is introduced, he'll say a little bit more about that. Nice to be here. Okay, so on that note, we'll go to West from CIA. Hello, West. Hello, everybody. Um, I'm West from CIA, and yes, Dave, we have a good podcast. We talk about everything from sci-fi, fantasy, TV, movies, whatever, and we're on directly after Podshock today. Today's topic is spaceships and spacecraft. So if you have a particular spaceship or spacecraft that you like, please come on the show and talk about it. Our podcast ID is 30659. So I'm glad to be here, Lewis, and thank you for inviting me. We should also make it known that the, the CIA is a, a live podcast, just like this one is right now, and it's available via TalkShoe at TalkShoe.com. Joining us also, since um, we're on the CIA kick, let's go to Diane. Hello, Lewis. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, it's great to have you here again, Diane. Good to be here. Diane's a regular on CIA, and I think Dave and and Wes, if you, if you haven't, I know you had mentioned it, pre, you know, before we started recording that the CIA podcast is um not just on Doctor Who, it covers all different types of science fiction, and it's um it's a basically a open discussion where everyone can kind of join in and and converse, right? Yeah, we, we we frequently come back to Doctor Who. That's where our uh, heart is, really. It's uh, Cultiman Audio, and it was originally um, CIA from the Celestial Intervention Agency, but it's has, has since been changed to Cultiman Audio, right? Yeah, we right. felt like we were talking about so many diverse topics that 
Celestial Intervention Agency, this didn't work anymore. So we changed it. And um, Coltdom and audio is something I believe Dave came up with, and it really does describe us best because we talk about cult TV and movies, and we do it in an audio format. So it works out perfectly. Great. Okay, well, to continue our introductions on the roundtable, we're going to go to Michael from the Tin Dog Podcast, as well as now the now one of the hosts. I don't. I want to. I, I want to say one of the hosts of the Doctor Who Online Who Cast, right, Michael? Tin Dog, are you still with us? Did we lose him? Oh, or did no. he not come back? He was he's having troubles earlier, but uh, he okay. has... he's not, he, he'll be with us shortly, hopefully soon. Yeah. <laughs> as, as we said, it's a Type 40 TARDIS today. So. All right, We've got well, about 40 people in the room today, so it's difficult <laughs> to keep track. And most of them are panelists. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's go on. And we have, and I'm going to introduce you as three hosts, but I want to have you a chance for each one of you to have your own introduction. So it's Warren, Steve, and Chris from Radio Free Scarrow. We are delighted to have three hosts of the Radio Free Scarrow podcast with us today live on this podcast. Um, so let's start with Warren, then we'll go to Steve and Chris. Welcome to Dr. New Podshock Live. Hey guys, Warren Fry, RadioFreeScarrow.wordpress.com, and we're also on iTunes. Uh, we've only got two so far. We're having a problem getting Steven on, uh, oh, yes. but Chris is on. Uh, and I guess you say about our show, it's a pretty irreverent take on Doctor Who. We're, we don't really hold anything sacred, essentially. No, that's great. It's a, I was listening to the most recent episode. It's a, it's a lively discussion. And then you also do a commentary on the episodes themselves. Yeah, and we drift rapidly off topic <laughs> most of the time. <laughs> It's, it's a lot of fun. I really recommend it. Check it out. Radio Free Scarrow. It's available via iTunes, as, as most of these podcasts are. So we want to make sure that, um, you know, you, you shouldn't have any problems finding it. Chris, did you want to say hi? Yeah, I'll just say hello. Uh, thanks for inviting us. Uh, <laughs> okay. It's kind of cool to be here with uh, all these other people. The uh, the fellow from Tin Dog, uh, Michael, I, I happen to have a mutual friend with him. So I'm, I'm not acquainted with Michael, but uh, I know of him. And it's uh, going to be interesting to... Uh, speak with him directly and uh, all the rest of you too well it's great having you on the show with us thanks it's good to be here all right well joining us also is emily from cue the film podcast hello emily oh hi how are you doing Louis? good to have you on board would you like to tell us about your podcast well, Cue the Film is a, uh, just a kind of live podcast, but we're very uh, we're very inviting to anyone who wants to guest host if they ever want to come on. We are a bi-weekly show. Every other week, one of us picks a topic, and then we review movies around that topic. You know, we were going to do, we also have uh, bonus episodes, and we're going to do one on Doctor Who, so more around Christmas, because we already did one that died. So if you guys want to come on, if any of you guys want to come on the Doctor Who episode, we're going to talk about the two Peter Cushing ones and the one with Paul McGann. So just give me a just give me an email on, and then you can come on. That'd be awesome. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah, fantastic. Wow, I remember when Emily was just a listener on CIA, and now she's got her own show. That's awesome. <laughs> she it's a it's a good show. It's a lively discussion on various um, science fiction, fantasy films. I, I know you just recently, or or maybe perhaps you are still in the middle of reviewing the six Star Wars films. Yeah, we're on episode five. We're going to release that next Friday. Cool. So, again, it's available via iTunes. And um, do you have a website? Did you mention it already? Cue the film. Great. Cool. All right. Well, 
Joining us also with us is is um, Jared from Timelines, which is a podcast, but also of Hurricane Who, which is a, a good, uh, a, a great new East Coast based Doctor Who convention that's uh, coming in October. So, uh, so hi, Jared. Are you still with us? I am. It's only taken almost a year, but I'm finally with you guys. Great, great. So tell us about, um, first tell us about Hurricane Who, because it's, I think Timelines is a natural um, offshoot of that, if, I, if, if I'm correct. And, um, and then you can tell us about Timelines, the podcast. Right. Hurricane Who is a convention that we are having in Orlando next Halloween. So that's October 30th, 31st, and November 1st. We're going to have Louise Jamison, Toby Hado, Jason Hay Gallery from Big Finish Productions is going to be there, as well as Simon Gurrier and some other writer guests. Timelines is a spinoff podcast, which is basically me arguing with a local radio DJ about <laughs> Doctor Who and various other things going on around the planning of the convention. It's a good show. I, I haven't caught all the episodes. What I have heard was uh, it was a good introduction to those. Uh, for, for anyone that's maybe perhaps a, a newbie of Doctor Who, you know, someone that's just getting familiar with the series, it, this kind of tackles some of those questions. So uh, it's, it's a good listen. Right. And nothing about the classic series. He even openly admits it. So, yeah, that's what we focus on is exploring the classic series for a new series audience. Mm-hmm. Great. Great. Well, um, thank you once again for being here. We're going to just to um, move along with the introductions. I think Michael from the Tin Dog Podcast is uh, with us again. Hello, Michael. Mm, maybe not. <laughs> Same problems as I had, I think. All right. Okay. Well, we're, we're going to come back to him when he is available. Let's see who else we have. We have uh, Colin, who's a, a regular from our show who hasn't been on for a while, but we're, it's great to have him back on the show with us once again. Hello, Colin. Hello, Lewis. It's good to be back. It's taken me a while, and I've been rather busy this year with it being capital culture here in Liverpool, but uh, hopefully I can join in more from now on. That would be great. Well, like with everything, it's, you know, the wait is well worth it. And... Speaking of being well worth it, Darth Skeptical is with us. Hi, everybody. I'm Darth Skeptical of no podcast at all. Well, <laughs> you're a regular uh, here on Doctor Who Podshock. You yeah, can well, a regular now, good guy. <laughs> now, now, let's not overstate the case. We have drafted you on the show, whether you like it or not. <laughs> Very well. I accept the nomination, sir. <laughs> Not only that, but you also contribute to our website, and you post articles there, and, and of course, you're in, a form, in our forums, and very prolific there as well, and uh, always, you're always there with, um, with interesting topics and garnering a lot of attention, and it's, um, it's great having you on board. Well, thank you, sir. It's great to be here. Okay, well, let's see. Um, and myself, it's, uh, did I, am I forgetting anyone? Did I leave anyone out accidentally? I think that's it. So um, obviously myself, this is Louis Trapani of Dr. Pachak, as well as um, the Sonic News Driver, which is um, a bit, um, it's on an unplanned hiatus, but it will be returning very shortly, as well as the Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi, which we're going to be um, putting out another episode next week, which as the name applies is a podcast Hello. based on British science fiction. You're probably wondering why I asked you all to be here today. <laughs> well, as we all know, and let me just first preface this with a spoiler alert. If you haven't seen the latest series, 2008 series, series four of Doctor Who, 
Well, if you haven't seen it all, stick your fingers in your ears because uh, we can be talking about anything and it, there's nothing off limits. So, um, and just to kind of review, uh, and we're not going to go episode by episode. What we're going to do is we're going to give our overall impression of the series, talk about the series as a whole. Because uh, if we went by episode by episode, we would be here until the cows came home or, as I said earlier, until um, <laughs> the next Doctor shows on the BBC. So we're going to, but just to kind of recap uh, what the series contained we had uh, it started off with partners in crime followed by the fires of pompeii planet of the ood then the santarans came back in the start in the um santaran stratagem then the poison sky then we had a little surprise the doctor's daughter the unicorn and the wasp followed that and following that was is silence in the library which is a two-parter and the second part is forest of the dead Midnight, and Turn Left, The Stolen Earth, and Journey's End concluded the series as the series finale. So what we're going to do is we're going to, this is going to be sort of a free-for-all kind of discussion. We'll go around anyone that, that please jump in about anything that you want to say in particular about the series. I'm already gave my episode you know reviews of it so but just talking again as a whole for the series i i thought very much that the episodes themselves were varied there were um it was sort of inconsistent as far as um highs and lows certain episodes and when i say that nothing was extremely high nothing was extremely low either but now having said that as a whole i think the series as a whole stands up fairly well and and i would say it's probably one of my one of the most solid series produced recently you know by russell t davies and i I think he did a great job with it it came in with some interpretation by some people because of the Catherine Tate factor after the runaway bride. Some people were fearing how she was going to be in this series. But I think even the most strongest people that were detracting, you know, about her being in the series came away from the series. And and I could be wrong with this. We're going to go around. We're going to talk about this. So I, I think some people, I think, overcame the, what their fear what she was going to bring to the series. I think um, her character developed and really was a big plus to the series. It was, um, so we saw the return of the Santarans. We saw the return of Davros. We saw the return of Rose. And let's kind of um, touch upon that. I think one of the highlights, I must say, from the series is um, Wilf, which is Donna's grandfather, I think played a great role in this and really added to the series. So now, having said that, let's go around. Let's um, let's talk about the highs and lows. Anyone want to jump in on that? I'd say Doctor's Daughter is a definite low, <laughs> and uh, Unicorn and the Wasp ain't too far behind. Yeah, I I, I thought Unicorn and the Wasp was not one of my favorite episodes either. I think the the low thing about the Doctor's Daughter wasn't so much the story as uh, Martha was underused. They brought her back into the TARDIS. And then um, poor girl was uh, underused. Oh, Rose was underused too. Well, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I just thought it was a solid season. I, I still like Dustin's daughter. I mean, I think it could pose a good spinoff if they <laughs> wanted to invest more. Plus, we could keep a male doctor and just have an excuse because everyone wants a female doctor. But that's a story for another day. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I, yeah. I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. Well, that's the whole I thing. Think I think they want. I think the one thing with the Doctor's Daughter that um, 
is probably why a lot of people don't like it. It's because it completely wrong-footed everyone, especially the preview the previous week. Yes, it was definitely uh, skewed round, wasn't it? It, it? it looked as though they were uh, at odds with one another. And, and then there were lots of inconsistencies. They were so eager to grab new DNA because they needed all the DNA they could get. And yet they didn't touch Rose and Martha's DNA. Uh, and then course, we didn't have the translator working either with the, the half or whatever it was, uh, with their little uh, bubble, uh, bubble jars. But again, I think, as I said before, that was probably so that the kids in the playground could be uh, blowing through the straws in their their drinks uh, and annoying everybody in sight. <laughs> well, it was pretty cheesy in general. It's like, oh, the bad guys are really good guys. You should not just get along. So the ending gave away kind of too much. I think maybe perhaps if they had shot that ending and just saved it, because it's made it obvious that she's going to return in some form or another. So um, I, I just I just thought that it gave away maybe too much, and it would have been a better surprise not knowing whether or not she would return and just use that in another bit. You know, I know Dave, I, I think Darth disagrees with me. Yeah, I don't know how long you wanted to spend on one story, but if you're talking about if that's a low, one of the high things must be I would have thought for most people, and I counted about six or seven of the stories that were at least part in off world, and for three years uh, a few of us have been saying, come on, let's get off world, let's get off world, and they certainly did do that, although there weren't many actual alien worlds in terms of new alien creatures, but we did at least get to off world stories. Perhaps people might want to comment on that. Yeah, well, it's a good point there, Dave, because we didn't get a lot of off-world stories, and finally with the series, I think we got a good share. So it was re refreshing, to say, the, to say the least, and it's about time. I mean, there's really... There was no real reason why they couldn't have done this sooner, but, you know, but it's... it's you know what? It's <laughs> better late than never. We got off-world pretty pretty good, but um, one, one of the episodes, Midnight, technically could have been anywhere because it was in a, you know... Mm -hmm. Space bus, pretty much. Space train. But yeah, it was still fantastic. Up, I thought it was a very intense episode there. Yeah, think, and one of the things about this one was there were a couple of really, really deep episodes, I thought, in the series. Midnight was one of them where you really have to think about what the hell was that in, terms, in a good way, not in a bad way. And um, Turn Left, actually, which when you think of that one, I was watching it at the time thinking, crikey, this is a very mature story for kids. I'd yeah. say Turn Left is the best one of the series. Yeah, yeah. And even more surprising, these were Russell T. Davies' scripts as well, weren't they? I mean, it was me cheering Russell T. Davies for his clever writing, and we usually reserve that for Stephen Moffat um, doing his two-parter. But uh, well, yeah. now be fair. No, that was a surprise. Fair surprise. surprise that Russell T. Davies can write is. No, 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 no. Write Doctor Who strip. I mean, he, he can write jokes. He can write. He can write dialogue. He can write human emotions. But the fact that we weren't having off. I mean, Midnight was a classic science fiction script to me, and that was the first time I thought he had stuck to the genre in 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 a, a pure form. But again, that was only my opinion. I don't know about well, you, Dave. Uh, Russell T tends to be a little preachy sometimes and very out there with his ideas. And, and sometimes they're fantastic ideas, but he doesn't make them work a lot of the time. Because I remember live pod shot from season three talking about the finale and how everyone thought it was like subpar. A lot of people did. I'm not That's saying everyone, but 
you know, it's like, what's wrong with Russell T? Because the first the episode, usually his first episode of a two-part finale is very strong, and the last one just lets everybody down. And um, so everyone, if I remember correctly, from this year's live pod shocks, we're very excited about how he's kept up the – I mean, it was like he didn't – falter at the end. He was able to keep the momentum going from midnight on, and, and a lot of people were very apprehensive about Russell T writing the last four scripts, and it turned out pretty well. So, um, I understand what you're saying, Dave, and I agree with you. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm sure people have other things. We want to hear more people come in. Has Tim Dog got his audio back yet, or not? I don't know. Can you hear me? Yes. 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 Hurrah! Yes! Hooray! <laughs> So I, I don't think we I think we missed your introduction. I, I think, if I recall correctly, did you want to introduce yourself? Hello, I'm Michael, host of the Tin Dog Podcast and guest host of the WhoCast at the moment. Very good. We're delighted to have you back on the show with us. Marvelous to be back. Um, on the low point front, no one seems to have mentioned my least favorite aspect of the whole season, which was the new theme music. Oh, oh yeah, how yeah. It was. yeah. That was the low. <laughs> Very glam rock. And yet, bizarrely, the Monsters of Glam Rock Doctor Who audio has a much better version of a glam Doctor Who theme tune on it. So you know what? Yeah. You can't win them all. <laughs> well, what did we think? We saw the series, saw the return of the Santarans. Each series, we've seen a return of a classic, iconic enemy or um, villain from series past. What did everyone think of the Centaurans? I love the Centaurans. I, I, I was a big fan of the uh, two episodes. I thought it was cool getting to see Donna's. I mean, maybe it just wasn't for the fact that we got to see the, uh, the Centaurans, but everyone else we got to see, you know what I mean? The callback to the third Doctor and all that other stuff. Yeah, I thought that they did the makeup very well. You, the, really, the actor's face, real, I mean, because that Centauran makeup could be a, a big of a challenge to do, but I think the they did a great job with the makeup and the the actors can really express themselves with it, and I think that came off very well. Uh, as far as the costumes go, I'm not so sure about the, the, the bluish costumes seemed a little... No, it, it, it did have a whole, um, these toys will be available in your shops quite soon feel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but the original, I did like the original John Pertwee version, which was sort of more material, but there's no way... There's no reason that the the Santorans couldn't evolve to have slightly better armor. So I had no huge issues with it. They just looked a bit plasticky. And so the faces were superb. Mm -hmm. The the actors were good too. I thought that the the guy they got from the young ones, whose name escapes me, he was uh, excellent and much wittier than the usual Santoran. Yeah, the one that played Style, was it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I would have to say that the Santorans are a, a race on that show that could easily become super cheesy, and they did a very good job of not letting that happen. I'm just glad they didn't show the Rutans, because that could have been really bad. Though they had a great the opportunity. In the you know, in, um, the Unicorn and the Wasp, I thought, instead of, um, you know, having, instead of that Wasp having a shapeshifter, Rutan would have worked better in that story, but you know, but I guess not. <laughs> It would have been a nice tie-in, I mean, nice but for me, I mean, the, the whole Santarin thing was clearly the bottom of the barrel for this series. I, I I try to watch those episodes again, and if not for a few scenes that are really great, the overall concept is crap. Uh, 
I, I hate the sometimes. Did you say that concept? That's in episode one. Oh, no. Well, um, okay. A load of aliens want to create a load of new life forms, so they come to Earth to use us as, you know, basic biomatter. And that was a little bit annoying that they wanted to use exactly the same plot. Well, yeah, that, that, that and the amazing device that everybody simply has to use, which turns out to be dun 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 bad, which they've used four or five times now. <laughs> it was quite frightening how they uh, grew that uh, clone, though, as well. I thought they did that very well, although the way the clone uh, did a turncoat right at the end was perhaps a, li- a little unrealistic. Just a tad. <laughs> But we also well, the, the, the returning villain that they also brought back that they handled, I think, extremely well was Davros. Yeah, I was just about to introduce him. Yes, Davros, I think, was they. Well, I, I first let me just preface this saying that I, I think Davros probably worked best in Genesis of the Daleks, where he was first introduced, and then he wasn't really needed to be in. Every, I think the reason why they kept on using Davros over and over again because it put a face on the Daleks, where instead of just talking mm. to an overgrown pepper pot as 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 people would term it they had an actual face that could emote a bit more than just a um you know the daleks themselves so uh, they kept but i think over time he became uh, a bit of a joke you know where it was it became a character of himself where uh, i think now with this davros returning i i think um and then i'm blanking out on his name uh, Jason Bleach, something like Julian that? Bleach. Julian, Julian Bleach. Bleach. Yes, thank you. I think he, he did a great job. I think he kind of brought back, he honed in on the essential elements of what Davros was in Genesis. And my biggest complaint really was that it was in the series finale and everything was thrown in, at, you know, including the kitchen sink. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm joking because, oh, never mind, I won't go off on a tangent. But there was just so much going on there that I thought that his return story was met with a lot of competition within the story. So, mm-hmm. uh, um, his time was kind of he divided. was somewhat overshadowed. Yeah. Well, there were yeah, so that, many I characters that, that showed up. But, but yeah, see, I think that uh, works to that whole story arc's advantage because there are so many different people from the past in that story. It makes his return all the more dramatic. But it, well, just, it certainly does give a sense of closure to David Tennant now that we know he's leaving. Yeah, though we didn't at the time, and that's uh, as another factor with the series. This is the last full series of um, of David Tennant. So, um, but I think that series finale was sort of maybe Russell T Davies' last hurrah as a series finale, since again this is his last series, his whole series as well. He's doing the specials throughout two thousand and nine. But this is the last chance he'll have as a series finale type of, you know, pull out all the stops and that type of um, setup. Which I thought he did extraordinarily well with Stolen Earth, and I think it just kind of petered out with uh, Journey's End. Mm-hmm. I mean, Stolen no, Earth is a great some, ride. Journey's End had some excellent character moments, though, and there's some real good character development with the Doctor's character as far as pointing out that he's going to die around it. And that's been a motif for the entire series that they came back. True. Yeah. missing death, people dying. And, you know, in Series 3, when he comes back in um, Family of Blood, I mean, that was a, a, a big thing, like when the when the character that the John Smith character falls in love with says that, you know, you pick this place randomly if you hadn't come where all these people have died. And mm. it's a good thing, it's a good mirror to hold up to the Doctor and show him what 
you know, he is causing a lot of the time just because he's brash and runs into things and doesn't think about it. Which and, you think um, you would after 900 years. You might have a modicum of... But, you know, there's a, there's a lot of a God complex in him sometimes, I think, because he is the last of the Time Lords, and they were, I guess, charged with keeping the time streams correct, and he's kind of rogue and running around now and acting younger than he feels, and um, he tends to not think about things until it's too late sometimes. And, um, yeah, go ahead. That's an interesting contradiction. I mean, I think it's the episode, what is it, The Poisonous Sky? He's like, no, we cannot change the past. It reminds me a lot of uh, the Aztecs, doesn't it? Reminds you of the what, Emily? The Aztecs. Yeah. Oh, the Aztecs. Yeah. I just thought that was an interesting contradiction. Thing. I thought it was an interesting contradiction to Tenet's character. Like, he was really trying to change in the poisonous guy, but by the end of Journey's End, he's like, eh. I think it was also the uh, in the Poison Sky that we uh, got a mention of the Brigadier, though. We didn't actually get to see him yet. <laughs> when I say yet, because um, if you've been watching the Sarah Jane Adventures, you, um, you might know a little bit. I don't want to spoil anything, but <laughs> yeah, I think you already have. <laughs> it was nice to see the Brigadier. It would be nice uh, to yeah, see they him. Yeah, mentioned him, and it was great because you know what? It, it actually brought forth something that I was thinking about. Wouldn't it be great if the Brigadier is here, and that's what we're missing with a big unit store? I, what I liked about it was how they name-checked the 70s, or maybe it was the 80s. That was a nice little tip to fandom. Yeah. And our obsession with when these actually took place. Well, but, to kind of fill in those that may not know, back in the in the 70s when we were, you know, when Doctor was being transmitted, it was those unit stories were supposed to be taking place in the 80s. But it was never really it was never really uh, followed up on anyway. It was just something that writers threw in there, and then the fans ran with it, and then Mm -hmm. kept running with it. I think they did that just so that they could introduce so they they could introduce technology that didn't exist in the seventies. So that that was their open door for that type of uh, you know to introduce devices and technology that wasn't available then, like touchstone phones. The vision of the track monster was quite impressive. No, I was trying for a joke. It didn't work. <laughs> Do you want to play another clip yet, Lewis? Give us a break. And... <laughs> all right, I know you guys are all petered out, so we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna, gonna um, re-energize you with uh, another clip. These are clips are prepared by Dave, and I want to thank Dave for preparing them. He's throughout the whole entire last um, series of Doctor Who Live podcast that where we review each episode. He did a, a new intro clip. Hats off to uh, today for all the work that he put well, in for this. I haven't got a good voice like Darth, so I have to do it the uh, other way. <laughs> this is more recapping of Series 4, 2008 the series of Doctor Who. She's my daughter. Hello, Dad. What's the time, Lord? It's who I am. It's where I'm from. That was a war. Like this one. I have picked up a few womanly wiles over the years. Donna, I've been a father before. What? Lost all that a long time ago. Talk to me, Jenny. It's beautiful. Jenny, be strong now. You need to hold on, you hear me? You're my daughter. And we've only just got started. We'll be late for cocktails! What do you think? Flapper or slapper? Flapper, you look lovely. Get the Christie. What about her? That's me. 
No. I had no choice. Imagine the scandal. The family name. I'm British. I carry on. Right at the end, the vest performed chose to save someone's life. Is she all right, though? What do mind if everything that happened? The wasp, the murders? And us. She'll forget about us. Yeah, but we solved another riddle. The mystery of Agatha Christie. Where are you now? The same part? No, it's always different. The library goes on forever. The library is in your mind. I know it's in my mind, but something's going inside. Shadow, look. Count the shadows. Look at you. <gasps> You're young. I'm really not, you know. No, but you are. Your eyes. You're younger than I've ever seen you. The real world is a lie. And your nightmares are real. You're Donna. Donna Noble. Yeah. Why? I do know the doctor, but in the future, his personal future. So why don't you know me? Where am I in the future? I'm Dr. Moon. I've been treating you since you came here. Oh, God. What's wrong with me? I didn't know you for a moment. Doesn't have a red setting. We use the dampers. It doesn't have dampers. It will do one day. You didn't get my note last night. You got it a few seconds ago. We come from here. We hatched here. You hatched from trees, from spores in trees. These are our forests. Books. You came in the books. The forests of the Vashta Narada. She's not in the computer. In the way she is the computer. Wow, good stuff, Dave. Thanks again. So yeah, River Song, that's one of the things that uh, she gets talking. Yeah, I was just about to mention her. Now, we know the Doctor's daughter is obviously set up to be, you know, as a returning character at some point. We'll see her again. And I think um, Stephen Moffat had commented while that episode was um, being put together that, you know, that, that he wanted to use her character again so not to, you know, kill her off at the end so that, that she has some... Um, she has a, 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 a vehicle, if you will, literally, to um, to see her again in some future form. Now, what about Riversong? Will we see Riversong uh, before David Tennant regenerates? I'd love to, but I can't see it happening. Now it's now it's four episodes, really, to work no. with. No, there's not enough time. I, I can see another down there, but not now. Not with what we need to do. I mean, it's obvious that the type of relationship that he had with her was one that could be classified as intense. So there must be some substance there, but whether or not we'll get to see that or will this be um, another doctor? Would this be the the 11th doctor that will have um, that would? But then again, she did see her. She did recognize him. He looked younger, but did recognize him in his current form. But then it's likely, she does see that you're not my doctor. Mm-hmm. You know, she describes a completely physically different doctor who comes to see her just the day beforehand. Yeah, but uh, Taurus isn't here to say it, so I'll say it on his behalf. He said that she doesn't spend time with the doctor because when she brings that journal out, she said, have you had this adventure, uh, that adventure? She didn't say, do you remember our adventure? So he, he thought she might be more of a biographer, the relationship between the two. I have a friend that has a theory on her, and that I'm not sure I agree with, but I'm going to throw it out because I told him I would, that um, River Song is actually Jenny later on. That's his theory. Mm, I can't see that. No, that sounds implausible. 
So it must be true. I didn't say I agreed with it. I just said I threw it out there. Well, it could be a regenerated Jenny. It doesn't have to be Jenny just grown up. It could be Jenny after, you know. Here's one that's going to change the bones. Then why didn't she do it already? How about that she is in fact a regeneration of the Doctor and she's a female version of him, that's why she knows all the things about him. <laughs> well, you know, that's just as out there as it being Jenny, so... But it may be like why the Doctor feels so intensely toward her after she says whatever she says into his ear, because if it's a romantic thing, he hasn't felt that yet, but if it's his daughter, it could get more intense and feel bad toward the end. That's that's what Isn't, my friend's idea is. Doesn't it work better dramatically? Yeah. Sorry. Doesn't that work better dramatically if we don't know? Like if they just leave it as is and we can speculate on it madly, doesn't that really work better in the end? I think that's how it's going to be. We'll never know because it's yeah. one of those things that he did to tease us and boom, it's gone. Yeah. It'll happen off screen or in a book or something. Didn't you say, Louis, you thought it was just the fact that he told her something intimate so that he would realize how important it was that he took notice of her because it's in when he meets her in the future he will have had this episode but she won't know right, you know tiny wine stuff you know that's a good point there Lewis that's great I'm not sure if I said it or not but I'll take the credit <laughs> <laughs> I thought you did when we had a, a chat about I was listening to one of the older ones I'm sure you you said something like that well, you know, now that whoever mentioned that, and we'll go with Lewis because he's cool and all, um, <laughs> you know, that does make sense because he did give her the screwdriver and he gave her, you know, just enough information to get by on that. So that would make sense. He needed to tell her that information. And the younger doctor's like, how would you know that? But then maybe, you know. That was the clue to himself that he must take what she says seriously. Because he confided her in her in the future. Maybe it's like she, maybe it's how he has to turn into another generation. Or I know that's far out there. How do I don't know? That sounds completely ridiculous. Well, she recognized him as young, but then she didn't say that he looked different. But she didn't say that he didn't look different. She just knew who he was. Yeah, but not on first glance, though, right? I think she kind of knew who he was, but I don't know whether it's because he looked like Bennett or if he looked like whoever. So what if she whispered it to him, you know, something he has to complete, and she does show up at his regeneration story, and then we see the new doctor, and then they hang out for a little while. Well, that's, that's a distinct possibility. Uh, just talking about those stories, in fact, one of the things I, that I commented at the time was the fact that we had double episodes like the, the Centauran Strategy and, and The Poison Sky, which you could almost watch back to back like a film. But uh, I don't think the um, Silence in the Library and Forest of the Dead you could put together. And I think David Tennant said in one of the confidentials that he didn't think people would guess how the second part would start. And uh, the whole pace of the show, um, uh, the, the silence in the library was virtually a teaser. The whole show was a teaser for the next one. And then we had the complete change of pace of Donna's World, didn't we? Mm. Yeah, we did. I still, I love that episode, though. I got to admit. You know, one thing we have not mentioned yet on this show is the surprise that ended up being Catherine Tate. 
because um, a lot of people went into this as naysayers of doom, I might add, from remembering yeah. past pod talk. Mm-hmm. And from the first episode on, she totally, totally turned us on our head, I think. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. She's the best thing about Series 4. Mm-hmm. And one of the best companions ever, I'd say. I think it just didn't do her favours, sorry, Emily, at the beginning by not showing her, they showed the one she did first about fourth, so she seemed inconsistent to me in the first few episodes. She was shouty one minute and confidential the next, and uh, it was um, like the fires of Pompeii, that was the part I liked best, when she realised that travelling with the Doctor had grave responsibilities, and she helped him press that button. Uh, well, where, Dave, you know, that's what die. hooked me on the on her on the show was yeah, the, her yeah, acting I, in the fires of Pompeii. Yeah, mm. I'd, I'd say turn left as well. Like she's brilliant in turn left. Oh, certainly. Yes, but what I think is really good about Donna is that personally, by the end of it, she wasn't just a whiny. Oh, I need the doctor. Doctor, I love the doctor. She was much more independent. I really enjoyed the chemistry. You know, the constant banter between the two. Which I think I'm really gonna miss those two playing off each other. But but then they go and take it all away. Yeah, and that's what makes it hurt so much is that you see how much Donna has grown from what she was in the in the Runaway Bride, and it, it's so bad that he has to take all that away from her. Diane, we're not hearing much from you. One or two of the others with audio. Well, I, I got to say, uh, Catherine Kate was a, a revelation. She was, she's so far been the best companion. And she's really shown her range as an actress. You know, I never knew who she was yeah. before The Runaway Bride. So I didn't understand what the big brouhaha was in Britain that people were flipping out over. And she did have, she was annoying in The Runaway Bride, but she did grow out of it. But she was just, exquisite during this whole season. The, I thought the whole season was kind of eh, overall, but she was the high point. She was definitely, she's the one who, who raised it up and made it worth watching. Well, you know, I haven't seen character development on one single character before on a show like that in a long time. I mean, they, they took her from episode one and she grew every single episode, even if she wasn't doing a whole lot. Yeah. And then they take it away and put her like reset her right back to zero at the end of it, and you can see how much it pains the the doctor's character and the grandfather especially. And he was another godsend for that show. Um, having the grandfather on there was like grounding us in reality. Was like we were the the grandfather looking at everything, and um, I think it's great to have him on it. And um, the grandfather's another whole topic we should talk about because. That's just a different because Russell T is very good about throwing family of the companions in there, which is something we never really got. I mean, if you think back to past companions, they might have mentioned family from you know here and there, but I think you know Tegan's really the only one that had an actual family member much on the show, and she didn't last very long. Well, well Ace, Ace had her mother and grandmother, but yeah. 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 But. No, I, I thought Wolf was a great addition to the series, and, and it was by accident, really, because originally uh, he wasn't going to be in it. They plucked him out from um, last year's Christmas special, because, uh, unfortunately, the actor that was originally going to play um, Donna's uh, father, I think, passed, had passed away. And uh, um, Bernard Cribbins, who's uh, we know from Doctor Who's uh, from the Peter Cushing series, you know, he, he, he was in the, the Voyage of the Damned. 
Yeah, and, uh, and Bernard was playing the same character then as well, the, the, the news agent. It's yes. just that we didn't we know didn't the know family he, connection at yeah, that point. No. Yeah. So I think it worked out very well. I think he was an excellent addition to the series and really had a um, supplied a great human element there. And the fact that he had this relationship with Donna that was sort of on an inside track and, you know, kind of added to it as well where his mother was uh, her mother was a bit oblivious to everything that but he he had an inside track on what was going on is anybody else with audio hasn't spoken yet uh, lewis because uh, well, um, i know there are Jared, uh, did you want to comment on it i think you've been very quiet I've been very quiet, but I've been typing away out in the forum. <laughs> we, we have to explain for those that are just listening that when we do these live shows, there's a, uh, a chat forum as well that goes on simultaneously while we're recording live. So you can, you can join us when we do these live shows, even without audio. You can participate in the, there's a live chat that goes on at the same time. I will say I was having a conversation last night over dinner with Janet, who's our webmistress, and she, we basically had the assumption that we want to know what Russell T. Davis sees through his eyes, that he can go and see these people and know that they'll be great companions. I mean, if he sees a chain-smoking pop star from the fifth, who's 15 up on stage, is he sitting there going, you know, she's going to make us cry when she gets stuck into a vortex. Or when he sees Kat, you know, Catherine Tate dressed up as a 70-year-old woman cussing out her grandson, you know, you know she's going to be good. And and, you know, we're going to wipe her memory and, you know, drain everybody crazy for this. How does he see that? Well, that that's it speaks to his other TV shows, too. I mean, to be a good showrunner, that's your job to find mm -hmm. out all the, you know, not necessarily Doctor Who, even just any show. As, a, as somebody involved with the casting, you have to have that yeah. gut feeling for this kind of thing. Otherwise, he wouldn't be working in TV. But they they wouldn't. And Andy Pryor has to be given uh, some kudos there because it's not all Russell T. Mm -hmm. One of the things that has been speculated about is how much uh, Russell T. Davis, as well, actually uh, polishes up other people's scripts. I mean, uh, I, I I gave him quite a well, lot of praise for these ones, but how much of it does he do himself? There's not a lot of speculation left now that he's published that information in his book. Oh, in his new book, yeah. Yeah, Doctor Who: The uh, Writer's Tale. Yeah, because he's talked about doing rewrites from, uh, you know, between 30% to 100%. And he's wow. mentioned, in, in the book he mentions there being four writers he has not had to rewrite for. And the, and only four. I bet most of them Well, I know, I know the, the things about this particular season that you come away from, or with rather, is that... This one, he's dropped in a whole lot more clues along the way to the conclusion. And while there's a lot about this season that I don't particularly like, one of the things that's admirable is the way in which there is a storyline that's much stronger than the previous three seasons. Mm -hmm. Right, are we up to another time point yet, Lewis? Uh, yeah, we're going to, uh, before we do, I just want to um, also just touch upon with the, since we did talk about, we just mentioned Doctor Who, The Writer's Tale, which is uh, Russell T. Davies' new book, and it it has um, photographs from a from the alternate ending of this series, and it's also I, even though I haven't broken out broken the the shrink wrap off my um, series four box set that that I got a few weeks ago, it's included in that as well. If you had a chance to see it, it, it kind of it. it it's kind of different than what you would expect, only because the, the Children Need special had two minutes of the opening of the next Christmas special, and it's obviously doesn't fit in there. 
don't know if I want to give anything away. The Christmas special is two and a half weeks there. I, I, I'm assuming we're all looking forward to that, and it should be interesting seeing where where it goes with that. Well, I, I know that some of the things that I've had conversations with with writers is that that was actually a change to make season four have a more somber, emotional ending. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that, that bit was intentionally cut for that reason. Yes, it was. As well, that would make sense. The maker. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Also, in that alternate ending, we see um, Donner sort of recognizes the the, the TARDIS sounds. Isn't that a little longer? In that, that's when the when the TARDIS shoots off and um, yeah. obviously makes that signature sound. She sort of seems to almost recognize it. Well, that was wasn't that one of the ones that Russell T. Davis was persuaded out of because they give little um, explanations before each of these deleted scenes, and I think that was one that they originally thought about and then thought, mm, if we've gone to all of the effort to point out what happens if she finds out, then we really need to stick yeah. to what we've done. So they they kept it as it was. I see. Well, I would hope so. One last thing in that is when uh, the Fires of Pompeii episode, Lewis, when uh, when Donna was in peril, tied up somewhere, and he rescued her in about two minutes flat. Well, well that's upset. She wasn't strapped down for a week. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's just due to the pacing of the of the new show. Yeah, I mean, having 45 minutes to solve all the problems as opposed to four 25-minute episodes kind of makes it move a lot faster. Sometimes six or two episodes in the middle of that. All right, what we're going to do is we're going to play in the next montage of clips. is the last montage of um, audio that Dave had, has prepared for us. And then after that, we're going to open it up to listeners. So if you're listening to the show and you'd like to participate, put yourself in the queue and uh, we'll, we'll get to you, you know, and, and we'll get to you what you have to say about Series 4. I do apologize, ladies and gentlemen. We seem to have had a failure of the entertainment system. Oh, no, I'm with this friend of mine, Donna. She stayed behind in the leisure palace. You? History, there's no life in this entire system. There couldn't be. It must be the metal. We're cooling down. What I want to know is how long do we have to sit here? If it takes that thing back to the leisure palace, if that thing reaches civilization. I said it was her. What if you turned right? What's on my back? Make the choice again, Donna Noble, and change your mind. There was this woman who took control, Sarah Jane. You travel with a doctor in a different world. I never met him, and he's dead. He died underneath the Thames on Christmas Eve, but you were meant to be there. Donna Noble, you're the most important woman in the whole of creation. We're going out. Oh, my God. Donna. The stars are going out. I'm ready. She said, bad wolf. What does it mean? What's what is it? What's Bad Wolf? It's the end of the universe. I just met Rose Tyler. Yeah. If she's locked away in a parallel world. Exactly. If she can cross from her parallel world to your parallel world, then that means the walls of the universe are breaking down, which puts everything in danger. Tardis is still in the same place, but the Earth is gone. Birds, they don't work against Tardis. Yeah, well, I'm going out fighting. Like Owen, like Tosh. What do you mean, what happens next? It's starting. Here we go. Good luck, Doctor. Will someone please tell me what's going on? When he's dying, his, uh, his body it, it repairs itself. The regeneration energy to heal myself. You'll still you. But that means we can't get out. Nope. Not without unlocking that Dalek. Planets and stars will become dust. And the dust will become atoms. And the atoms will become nothing. 
sir. My name's Rose. Oh my God, he found you. Jack Harkness calling all Daleks. He's still alive. Love Rose. The man who keeps running. Closing all Z neutrino relay loops using an internalized synchronous back feed reversal loop. Explain! Donna, you can't even change a plug. The Doctor Donna. Just like the huge said. So there's three of you. Three doctors. And what about the Earth? It's stuck in the wrong part of space. I'm on it. Torchwood Hub, this is the Doctor. Are you receiving me? K9. Parallel universe, right? You're back home. And the walls of the world are closing again. We've got to go. This reality's sealing itself off. It's still you. And I'm him. I had to wipe her mind completely. Anyone that wants to participate, put yourself in the queue. And I know we have, um, we're going to go to Ramana too. She's coming. Hi. Tardis is materializing. Bad timing. <laughs> Can you hear Sorry me? Sorry about that. Yes, welcome to Dr. Apachak Live again. Welcome back, I just said. Hello, boys. Sorry. My dad's still in the living room. I never said that. <laughs> you waited one minute. I could have, yeah. <laughs> anyway, hello, boys. Hello. <laughs> I'm outside, so I might have bad sound. Well, you sound good so far. I do? Yes. Here's somebody else. Seriously, this is bad timing. <laughs> we'll come back to you. She's in the TARDIS loo. <laughs> ah. Talk about yourselves for about a minute and then I can come back on. All right. Very good. <laughs> Sorry about that, folks. All right. We're going to Robert. Hello, Robert. Hi, Lewis. Hi. Welcome to Dr. Podshock Live. How's everybody doing today? Very good. So what, what's Where? your overall impression of uh, Series 4, the 2008 series of Doctor Who? Well, I thought Series 4 was pretty good. Um yeah, if you remember, I'm on CIA, so um, we talked about this in the summertime, so pretty much what I'm going to be saying is this, you know, repeating what I've already said. And, you know, basically, one thing I noticed about Series 4 is that the takeoff of The Last of the Time Lords, the Doctor never completely got the TARDIS in sync. It seemed like in Series 4 that uh, because of the paradox uh, machine that he was either early or late when it became some of the episodes. I don't know if anybody knows that or not, but also uh, I noticed that with Series 4, Russell T. Davies um, basically was a salute to the 80s Doctor Who and, and being a fan himself, I believe that he was probably a, a big fan of Peter Davison, so that's why we, we you know, heard some of the 80s uh, music themes that was mixed in during Series 4 and and also um, bring in um, his daughter on for the doctor's daughter. Um, one of the questions um, that was asked was um, um, her taking a, uh, a um, ship and, um, you know, what she was going to do with the ship. Um, my belief with that is that she could probably transfer the TARDIS because um, if you remember in the classic um, Tom Baker, the Shada, the unaired one, he was able to change a ship into a TARDIS himself. So we'll probably see her um, back again when Moffat takes over in, in 2010. Actually, my favorite of all the, of the episodes is Turn Left because I'm more into the time situation. I thought um, the um, the parallel world that Donna created was great. I agree with some people that the, the time beetle was a little 
you know, a little off, but but other than that, you know, that was one of my favorite episodes. And, and um, my feeling about Donna, I felt that they should have just let her um, pass away instead of just um, um, taking the doctor taking her mind away. Um, I felt that it was by force more than her decision because she knew the outcome of what was going to happen. And, and um, the doctor, I guess, felt that, you know, he didn't want anybody else to, to die, so he took the situation in his own hand. But, um, you know, I felt it would have been better if um, he would have just let her go. And it was just, you know, the uh, the last episode, the journey's end was, was, was an okay episode, but I felt that, you know, there were just too many, um, you know, ingredients in the soup, and the, the soup kind of got... Um, you know, distorted. Um, I felt that there were some people that could have been left out of that episode. I know it was a a salute to you know all the the um, past four series, you know the past three series plus the fourth series that he did. But um, I you know, I think some um, the sport could have been a little more better, and I think some of the people um, could have been left out. Um, basically, I, I rated it a three and a half out of. Um, Five Tardises for the two parter at the end. Overall, series wise, I rated a um, four out of five. Um, I think uh, Russell did a, a great job. I'm looking forward to the uh, to the um, Christmas one coming, and also to the um, other specials he has. For, uh, um, I think he's a, a very good writer, but of course, like you, Lewis, I'm an, an old uh, Doctor Who fan. Um, I started out in '75. And my first episode was Horror on Fang Rock, so I'm a, I'm a Tom Baker fan. But, mm-hmm. but um, you know, I just um, am looking forward to um, um, Stephen Moffat and probably we'll be heading into a, a more time travel oriented situation than a character driven situation with Russell. And I keep, I know you sets up to the time more being a plot device, but it's kind of looking more the way that they may bring Paul McGann back, which I think would be excellent, and that um, maybe we will get the time war in the next specials coming up. Thanks for that, Robert. Yeah, thank you. I mean, but the one thing I have to... I think Stephen Moffat pretty good with the character development. I mean, I thought there was a lot of interesting stuff with uh, at least the first series with the Dr. Dances. I mean, Mm-hmm. Blink, of course, was based more on uh, um, uh, Sally Sparrow, but I, I don't know. I think that, that Stephen Moffat could do an excellent job with character development more than just using time. As well, he likes like some time travel, and, and that's great. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big time travel fan, so that's one reason why I found I'm looking for. Yeah, he he does do um, characters as well, but he's not as deeply characterized as Russell was, and um, you know, he uh, like Sally Sparrow. I think she may have a possibility to come back with um, the uh, Muppet Air when it starts in 2010. I think we'll see the show get much less campy, at least. We'll just have to wait and see. Mm-hmm. But, you know, basically Series 4 is just a, a salute to the 80s, pretty much. You know, I think that's the, that, that Russell T. Davies liked when he was younger, and, and you could tell with the... Um, 
with the time crash story when they brought back Davison, which I think was excellent. And I know now that Davison is touring the you know convention circuit, and and you gentlemen had the honor of seeing him again, which I kind of wish I did, but you know. So I'm looking forward to listening to your interviews and responses, Lewis, from the from the con. Yeah, we're, that's going to be in the next episode of Doctor Who Podshock. That's uh, hopefully um, this weekend will be coming. Out. Well, it's it's already Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <Soon. laughs> hard to believe, huh? <laughs> All right. Well, um, well, I'm going to go ahead and go because there's a lot of people in the queue. But I, I thank you for allowing me the time to talk. Um, if you don't mind, I'm going to plug my show here real quick. Um, I'm Doctor Who Review today, and I'm up to episode 21 now. Show number is 22756. I'm also on um, iTunes, and we'll be discussing Black Orchid and the Unicorn and the Wasp on the next show. Did you say Doctor Who Review? Today, yeah. Okay, cool. I'm subscribing today. And happy birthday to her mom, too. So I just want to say happy birthday to her. She's my co-host on my show. So. I, I was going to say that before, but I was going to wait for her to come back online. Oh, okay. But, All right. Yeah. Good. Thank you so much. I appreciate Robert. you taking the time. Thank, Thank you, Lois. You. you take care now. Cheers. All right. Bye, guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. Well, now Bye. I'm going to go take two to Ramona two. <laughs> Welcome back once again. I'm sorry about before. Hello, boys. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Yay. Yeah, it was my birthday yesterday, but still today where you guys are, so huzzah. We're still celebrating it today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I am now as old as the five doctors. <laughs> That's right. Yes. And just yeah. as good. Just as good. So, yeah. How things. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so what did you do to celebrate your, your birthday? Anything special, oh. Doctor Who related? Not really, no. <laughs> I had friends over, um, mm-hmm. and we did stuff. But yeah, there's no doctor-related stuff. Yeah. So, what did you think of? Um, oh, I did get some Doctor Who presents. So, what did good. you think of the past year of Doctor Who? I loved it. Um, it was my favorite. Um, it's my favorite of the new series so far. Donna is awesome. She is my favorite companion. She ranks in the top three with Jamie and Romana as my favorite companions of all time. Um, so, huzzah. Um, yeah, um, I'm going to stick up, because everyone was ripping on it earlier, I'm going to stick up for The Doctor's Daughter as being one of my favourite episodes from season four, only because I love Jenny so much. She should so be a companion. Um, she would be awesome. Um, I hope she gets, she manages again to the show next year. If not, I'll be a bit disappointed, but um, if she comes back in season five, I'll still be happy, um, because she's awesome. Um... Yeah, um, highlights for me is the series was um, Fires of Pompeii. That was probably another one of my favourites. Um, as was um, the uh, last four episodes, Midnight, Turn Left, or On Earth Journey's End. Um, Midnight um, has to be... Um, I don't get that scared when I'm watching Doctor Who, I must admit. Um, so Midnight's been the only story that's really scared me. But I think that was all down to um, the portrayal of the, the story and how it was acted and the reality of what was going on in that. Um, I remember talking to um, a friend of mine the other day saying um, it was all, it was the look on the doctor's face that made it scary because he knew what was going on um, and um, was powerless to stop it. 
Um, but yeah, um, my mind's just going blank at the moment. Um, <laughs> anyone care to help me out? Then <laughs> <laughs> I'll jump in. <laughs> well, I, I agree with you as long as they don't have sexual tension between her and the doctor. Yeah, well, said please. Um, I know um, if, if David and George can contain themselves. Um, yeah, but um, <laughs> keep clothes on, guys. I think that's a potential episode of torture you've got there. Uh, yeah, I've actually written a skit for my cosplay group for next year that has Jenny joining Torchwood. So um, I've already thought of it. It's quite amusing. But anyway, um, yeah, Jenny's awesome. Yeah, um, the doctor's yep. daughter I thought, thought was actually going to be Susan, so I, that was my only disappointment. I thought we were going to, like, not Susan. Me too. Susan's mum, yeah. Um, but alas, no, but I was fine with that because, um, I don't know, it just worked for me. Um, it was okay. And, and the thing with the whole, you know, Mark not being able to understand the half, um, the thing is that... They are understood by Martha. It's just we're not, um, we don't hear it. Actually, all the half the lines were actually scripted in the script, but they weren't added in. So, um, yeah, there. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I love the finale. It has to be said. Um, I love the stolen earth probably more than Turn Left or Journey's End. Um, I have a real soft spot for Journey's End simply because it's just so, it's, it's kind of like an overload of, um, fangirl, fanboy moments. <laughs> it's just, um, it's just awesome. I've forgotten the colours. It's all the hard. Um, yeah, so, um, I loved seeing Torchwood in the finale because I like Torchwood. I love Yanto. So I was happy to see that. Um, I had to mention Yanto in here, otherwise I've used, it just wouldn't be me if I didn't. <laughs> um, and, um, I loved, um, yes, and, uh, Naked 10. I have to mention that too. <laughs> Naked 10. <laughs> I won't sing the song, but um, um, if you've listened to my podcast, you'll know what the song's like. Um, the Naked 10 song, but hey. Um, but yeah, no, the finale is great. Um, I, Donna's ending was horrible, but um, yeah, it's just, um, she was awesome and she did not deserve to go out that way, but um, what can I say? Um, you have to write her out of the story somehow. And I'm glad that um well no, I'm not glad that um that Martha is the only companion the Tenth Doctor's kind of ended nicely with. Do you know what I mean? So um, he's the only one that um she's the only one she he can see again technically because Rose is stuck, Donna's can't remember him. So um it's a bit sad, but um, you know. And I've heard that for um no, I'm looking forward to the specials next year. And I've heard that the Doctor's going to be travelling on his own for most of them, which is going to be an interesting um, thing to see. Um, well, travelling on his own, um, not with a regular companion, but with, like, guest companions. So I'm going to be interested to see that, how that turns out. And really interested to see how he's going to regenerate and really kind of worried about who's going to take over um, with some of the rumours I've heard. Um, but that's another story. Um, so, yeah, Series 4 was awesome, my favourite. I, I recently got the box set. Um, I imported it from England because I could not wait um, for it got here to buy it. Uh, I've gotten through all the deleted scenes and there's some really good ones in there. Um, I personally recommend it. Um, and, yeah, so that's uh, Series 4 gets a 5 out of 5 from me. Um, it all hung together marvellously. Um, there wasn't really an episode I didn't like. There were ones I didn't enjoy, enjoy as many as the others, but um, they were all awesome, so... 
as well. And that's it from me. Well, thank you and, so much. Um, I passed on. No worries. And happy birthday. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I feel so old. How old are you? Uh, 25. I'm as old as the five. Uh, baby. <laughs> I know, but, you know. All my friends, like, the youngest one of my friends is 21, and I feel old in comparison sometimes to, hey, my master's, like, 21, so it's my five and my 10, so my cosplay group, my Gallifrey Time Love Brigade. Um, <laughs> um, I'm going to do a little plug, seeing this is, like, the, the plug show, because everyone on here has got their own show, it seems. Um... <laughs> I will make it like my podcast is relatively new. I've only got three episodes and three short episodes, so total of six. Um, it's called The Wailing Fangirl Podcast. Um, you can find it on TalkShoe, and the ID is WGWH. It's also on iTunes as well. I'm in the wrong category, but I can't figure out how to change it. Ah, I didn't even know <laughs> you had your own show. For some reason. I do. Now you do. Now I do. Hopefully I'll get no more listeners now. Because <laughs> I only get, I've only got like five people listening at the moment. Hey, whatever we can do to help, that would be great. Yeah, so be sure to check it out. The last show I did was actually a, a report from the Buffalo Club of Australia meetup. It's a pretty long one, but there was a segment I recorded there with five of my friends talking about Doctor Who. So it's called The Wailing Fangirl Podcast. Fantastic. So, um, because I do a lot of whaling and I'm a fangirl, so, yeah. <laughs> That's great. All right, well, thank you once again, and once again, happy birthday, and we'll thank um, you. look forward to having you back on our show in a, in a few weeks, in about three weeks, when we're and, doing this oh, all yes. over again for The And I'm so looking forward to that. You have no idea. <laughs> My black <laughs> reunion, and I'm so happy. Even Marcy. Oh, very good. Yeah, <laughs> I'm very excited. <laughs> All right, see you right. then. Take care. Bye. Cheers. Bye. Bye bye. All right, well, we're going to. Anyone else that wants to put themselves in the queue, please do that right now. Uh, I know West needs to run along to um, get set up for CIA, which is starting right after this. Um, West, did you have any uh, final comments? Well, you know. I'll have to say that um, it was one of my favorite series to date, and um, I think it was very even-handed. I mean, I was right about the – I agree with the comment somebody made earlier about there not being super highs and super lows, but it was pretty even as opposed to previous seasons, which were really high or really low, mm -hmm. yeah. but not in the middle. Yeah, um, I mean, tenant's that's, character. That's what I had said in the beginning, and I, I just. But I think overall, I think the series um, as a whole is much better for it. I, I just, I haven't, uh, I have, I haven't opened up the, the 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 DVD box set yet. So, but I have to say, this is like um, one of the series that I'm really looking forward to watching again because I haven't seen it since it was originally on, and it's um, it seems one of the ones that I'm anxiously waiting to review again. I'll have to say that out of all the four series, this one's my favorite so far, and it, and it has a lot to do with Catherine Tate. Yes. A lot of people were naysayers of doom about her, about how she's going to ruin the show, and she's not, you know, what people would want a companion. And people are forgetting that. Um, I went back and listened to our our discussion on the Runaway Bride, and people were just slamming her just incessantly. And they, they didn't take into account that by the end of the episode, Donna had grown a lot, and that was the point to it. Mm -hmm. Exactly. They wanted her to be a character that everyone hated, so that when she did grow, you noticed it. Mm -hmm. 
don't know if I hated her as much as was totally annoyed by her. Right. To the point where I wanted to punch my screen whenever. Oh, I'm sorry. But I'll have to say that that Catherine Tate surprised a lot of people, and uh, people don't realize that when you do comedy, comedy is actually one of the hardest mediums to to produce on stage or in TV because you gotta have timing. And most comedians end up being very good dramatic actors. I mean, look at Robin Williams; he's a stellar comedian, but when he does drama, it just blows you away sometimes. Same with Jim Carrey if you see the right movies, but. Catherine Tate really blew me away, and I knew she would. A lot of people were like, hey, you know, Catherine Tate's going to kill Doctor Who, and I'm really sad now that we're not going to have her in another season. Because she, to me, was the first time we actually got the the classic Who dynamic between the companion and the Doctor. There was all this romance stuff floating around. She was his friend and equal, and just went through Mm -hmm. the episodes like a traditional companion, and it was a, a nice breath of fresh air. Sure. No, I agree. So um, my take on it is I give it a um, four and a half out of five stars for the season. Very good. Fantastic. And I just want to remind everyone that after the show, shortly after this, um, CIA will be beginning its podcast live right here on TalkShoe as well. So be sure to uh, head over there. And uh, what's uh, the number again for the CIA podcast? 30659. Very good. Well, we've got one last call, call to get to and then we'll wrap things up. And this is um, none other than Benjamin Elliott. Hello, Benjamin. Hey. Yay, Benjamin. Hello, guys. How are you? And for those that don't know, Benjamin is from, uh, does This Week in Doctor Who, which is a listing of everywhere and everything that Doctor Who appears on. And um, Benjamin's on top of it, as always. uh, Thank you. Thank you, Lewis. So uh, this is our thoughts for today. Yeah, what are your comments about Series 4? What did you think about it? I like the series overall. Um, I didn't really have the baggage over Catherine Tate. I'd just seen her in Bride. Bride. And so I never really thought there'd be a big issue with her anyway, and she really came through well this year. Uh, one of the ones I liked a lot was uh, the... Doctor's daughter. That, another one's been somewhat uh, confrontational. Some people didn't like the way they brought a daughter in, and they didn't. I guess I really think people thought it was too easy to set up a spinoff from that. But I like that one. I thought we had Donna progressing well through the season. The Doctor seemed to be maturing. David Tennant was putting out some great performances. Uh, I. In a way, it's a good thing that we're having the gap here and all the changes because it does seem like each season they were letting themselves make the climaxes bigger and bigger. Mm-hmm. But first we yeah. had Earth and Danger in the future. Then we had Earth and Danger. Did we lose you, Benjamin? Young quiet. Here. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, you were, you were saying each climax, each series um, finale had to outdo, had to top the one before it, it seemed. Yes, yes. What could it possibly have done next year? Yeah, well, after this one, what, what was it? The the whole universe was going to be obliviated? Well, yeah, this one was this one was destroying the whole universe. And the, other all universes, universes all universes. Like, what do you do next year? Uh, stab your toe? Uh, how do you possibly... <laughs> Stub your toe. 
But he's nicely dodged that by not having a full series. Interesting to see what happens next. Uh, well, maybe so, uh, Stephen Moffat, when he takes over in and and the series that will follow once he's on board, maybe we'll just have series finales that are just good episodes or good stories, and and it doesn't necessarily need to top the one that preceded it, you know, and and just go forward, you know, in in that direction. I mean, I don't know. I can't speak for the man. But well, I don't. I, I don't know TV. that. I don't know that he is, he's going to have that option simply because of the way TV is now. If you look at uh, 1970s Doctor Who, uh, they didn't need cliffhangers from season to season. That just wasn't what was done. Yeah. Nowadays, everything, even comedy shows, uh, sitcoms do that. And it's just the way TV is, so I fully expect he'll have to do that. Yeah, he might be able to start over again. Since there'll be this amount of time, he might be able to have a somewhat cozy end of season with a bit of menace and then just build up from there. So four or five years of Moffat, we could once again be facing end of the universe and everything, but he might be able to start from a low point again and just build up, and then you wouldn't have the chaos for bits. Honestly, I think you could because you got um, – it's, it's probably 2010, when it comes back in 2010, I'm probably going to look at it like the rebirth of the series again, like it's – starting over with a new producer, a new doctor, a new companion. There's new hands. You know what I mean? It could mm-hmm. change real. Everything could very well change. Well, usually it is. Anytime there's a new producer, plus we're getting a new doctor. So that's the part of the charm of the series is that it constantly regenerates itself. And so I'm sure that we will. Have, and there's, and I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I think even Radio Free Scarrow had mentioned this in their most recent podcast that there was a rumor that maybe the TARDIS interior may get a new desktop. That one would uh, hope. That was said in an interview. Uh, I, it wasn't well. It's not confirmed, but it's it was uh, I think joked about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anything's possible. I mean, we've seen it years. You know, it's the history speaks for itself. So it's not. You know, I think it's a good thing that. You know, it does get renewed in a sense with a new producer and, you know, obviously with a new doctor. Yeah, I do think that um, story arcs, though, are here to stay because, you know, for whatever you want to say about this season, the fact remains that the last two episodes were the highest rated episodes of Doctor Who ever. And, you know, number one in Britain, which Doctor Who had never done before. And they wouldn't have done that had it not been a part of a larger story arc. And I think that's the lesson that's going to be pulled away by the BBC from this series. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, there was a story arc that Ronald, that he probably had over, that he claimed to at least have for four years. And it's probably why he brought everyone back. He said, you know, this is the grand finale. So even if you think that, you know, maybe there were too many plots involved with this, and maybe there was, I think there was. You know, it's, it's his way of saying Closure. a final hurrah, of wrapping everything up for his own stamp on the series. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And certainly it was a much better stamp on the series than, uh, say, Dimensions in Time for, for GNT. <laughs> Ouch. We're not allowed to talk about that. <laughs> it never happened. <laughs> it never happened. All right. Well, um, any other final comments? Uh, we got, uh, as I said, we're two weeks, a little bit more than two weeks away from the next specials. Everyone's, um, I think, on the edge of their seat waiting for that one. And um, yeah. well, One person we didn't mention, Lewis, is that we, we mentioned uh, that Peter's daughter was in it. And, and that. did we mention that uh, David Troughton was in uh, the Midnight episode? That's right. Yes. No, and, uh, don't for, and don't forget David Tennant's father was in it as well. Of, uh, the unicorn and the wasp, yes. Yep. 
playing the footman. True, yes. So there were lots of little things. I mean, um, I think Russell D. Davis says he doesn't pander to fans, but I think... Uh, <laughs> That's a damned lie. Uh, yeah, I think he, uh, he did. I think he'd been listening. In fact, one of the things uh, that I mentioned was the fact that when um, when uh, they're at the, the hotel and they see the, the, uh, the bomb uh, crash on London and... Uh, Donna's mother says something like, "Oh, what about the you know the Titanic crashing into Buckingham Palace?" And Donna can't believe it. He said, "You know, it was, that's some sort of weird sequel." It was almost as though he was saying to the fans, "Yeah, I know, I went a bit over the top that time, didn't I?" Well, we mustn't forget that Russell T. Davies himself is a fan of the series, so you know, <laughs> there's going to be some fan factor involved. Yeah, that's 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 going to be impossible to avoid. But thankfully. Um, uh, Russell T. Davis has avoid, avoided some of the more outlandish uh, fan desires. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> Showing the time war for one. Yeah, I, I, to be honest, I really don't yet. think that's going to happen. I think that's if that was just a, a device that was set out there to kind of um, get around certain obstacles from the classic series Absolutely. to the new series, and, and, and that's it. I really don't think that we're going to see, you know, we'll, we'll hear about it, we'll, there's, but I don't think we're going to ever see it. Even, we'll see even if more? the idea... Even if the idea was taken from an aborted uh, 1990s Doctor Who movie. Yeah. Will we see any more fob watches, do we think? I think Patrick Stewart will have Any more monks wearing a fob wash? I think it's the by Patrick Stewart. Can I ask a question? Sure, go ahead. Okay. Um, Without giving anything away about the, the next Christmas special, does anyone know how closely that's going to be based off Big Finish? The One Doctor? Not very. Yeah, not very closely. Um, it's 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 all rumor at this point, of course. I but, shall not uh, give my thoughts on that. Children in need special. I shall not. Sorry. <laughs> well, we'll all know in in um, in less than three weeks. So, and speaking of which, in three weeks we'll be back here on um, I believe it's the uh, December twenty eighth. We are scheduled for another live show, which will be reviewing that episode and we invite everyone to come back and join us again for that live show and i want to thank everyone for participating and being a part of this show it's i do apologize we were a little rusty and rough around the edges since we haven't done a live show like this in several months and it kind of showed especially in the beginning with some technical difficulties which we had to overcome we had a full well, and we didn't even get some some like steven from um he never even came you know he was never able to get on here, so we do apologize. There were certain panelists that we wanted to have on that were unable to join us audio-wise, and um, hopefully we'll have him and others back that weren't able to get their full say. So um, thank you once again. Um, any any other last final words before we sign off? I take that as a no. <laughs> oh, just, that, just that we miss Ken and James, and uh, we hope that uh, some of their thoughts have been expressed by... Or the people in the room. Yeah, Ken did have to bow out at the last minute. Hopefully, James is okay as well. And um, but I know Ken would have been here if he could have. Uh, I'm sure it's probably was uh, work related that took him away from here. Once again, I want to thank everyone. We're going to um, sign things off, and what we'll do is um, say goodbye. <laughs> i
listening to Doctor Who Pachak Live by the fan-run GallifreyNembassy.org and presented by Outpost Gallifrey at Gallifrey1.com. Doctor Who is owned and trademarked by the BBC. Doctor Who Pachak is not affiliated with the BBC in any way. Come back next time for another informative and exciting episode of Doctor Who Pachak. You can email us at feedback at pachak.net. This is Louis Trapani. You can follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash Louis Trapani. This Art Trap production is brought to you by the Gallifreyan Embassy and has been made possible in part by donations from listeners like you. Ginger beer! I beg your pardon! I need ginger beer! The gentleman has gone mad!